I'm Taylor, and this is the Hopeless Sportsmantic Podcast. Welcome into this episode of the Hopeless Sportsmantic Podcast. Today I'm going to give you my thoughts and predictions for the first round of the NBA playoffs as of today. Friday, May 21st. We're going to jump right in here. The first series I'm going to talk about is the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Miami Heat. This point, at the end of the regular season, we've got all the stats we have for that. The Bucks lead the NBA in points per game with 120.1 points per game, and the Heat are currently fifth in the league in opponent points per game. So something's got to give, given the fact that it's basketball, where normally we see good offense beats good defense. I'm going to give Milwaukee the advantage in that regard. But also the Heat create the sixth most turnovers in the league, and Giannis was a little high with 3.4 turnovers a game himself. So I think it's really going to come down to how Milwaukee is going to be able to move the ball efficiently, whereas Miami is going to have to do a very good job of getting in the passing lanes, creating a lot of chaos, and then using those opportunities to get easy fast break points and to keep keep Giannis. It's it's they're they're gonna have to keep Giannis from getting in the ball and r- running downhill and just attacking the rim because there really isn't a top rim protector. In Miami, Bam Adebayo is a very solid defensive big man, but his skill set is more along the lines of being able to switch out and guard smaller players in the pick and roll and keeping switches from becoming a massive disadvantage in that regard. However, I do think that there is somewhat of an X factor with just the experience that Miami has. Eric Spolstra is a well-seasoned coach has done these big games before, has coached in these big games before, and knows how to strategize and how to continue to keep the his opponent guessing over the course of a seven-game series. So I do think this is going to be closer than it should be on paper, which is very typical of a Miami Heat series. But just given the amount of help around him and the offensive firepower that Milwaukee has. I'm going to have to go with the Bucks in seven for this series and look for Chris Middleton to have a big game because of all the attention that Giannis is able to draw towards that Miami defense. Next, we move on to probably one of the more one-sided series, in my opinion, that's going to take place in the Eastern Conference. This is going to be the Celtics versus the Nets. Boston, of course, has really underperformed this year. A lot of guys haven't done nearly as well as they did last year. And there seems to be a bit of uh, locker room issues going on with Boston. And the biggest hit to their playoff hopes was losing Jalen Brown for the rest of the season. He is really a true all-around player truly is kind of the basketball version of a five-tool player. He can 
play make, he can play defense, he can shoot, he can finish at the rim, really turned into a great all-around player that's able to take a lot of the pressure off of Jason Tatum. But now with him out, that really makes it a one-man show in Boston, and I just think that given the ridiculous amount of talent that Brooklyn has, it's it's going to take a superhuman performance from Jason Tatum for Boston to even have any hope in this series. I think with Brooklyn being able to get some games in together towards the tail end of the season to really get comfortable, they've only played eight or nine games together in total. But I still think just with how these guys, I mean, they've been playing together on the U.S. national team They've obviously been doing some off-season workouts together for years. They know each other very well. And I think the you're kidding yourself if you don't anticipate Boston to really struggle in this series and for Brooklyn to make a serious run deep into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference this season. It'll be very interesting to see how the tandem works with Brooklyn in this series. I think this is going to be more interesting to watch from seeing how Brooklyn is going to play throughout the playoffs, whether they're they're going to try to evenly distribute the playmaking and the scoring ability between KD, Kyrie, and Harden, or Maybe they take turns each game and they just feed the hot hand, see however that works. I think this is going to be a key scouting game, key scouting series, I should say, for the future opponents that Brooklyn is going to have to face if they win this series, as I anticipate that they do. And I think it's going to be really important for Brooklyn to try to shore up their defense in the half-court sets because that's been the one continuous weakness for them has been their inability to get consistent stops on defense. Now when you have as much scoring ability and pure talent that they do on the offensive end, that's not as much of a worry. But I think when you get deeper into these later rounds of the playoffs, I think that is something that could really come back to bite them. So it's more about, to me, this series is almost a practice round for Brooklyn just with the Jalen Brown injury. I don't really see a way that Boston is going to be able to come out on top in this series, even if Brad Stevens does have something crazy up his sleeve. I think that Brooklyn has the talent to seamlessly adjust to any any kind of wild card that's thrown their way. So I'm going to give... Brooklyn this series in a clean sweep. They, Boston may be able to take one game in Boston just from having a crazy performance from Jason Tatum, but I don't see them coming out on top in any of these other games with the loss of Jalen Brown just prior to the playoffs. Now we move over to the kind of unexpected team. This is This is the... The situation you don't really want to be in if you're a Sixers fan is facing the Washington Wizards, who are they are that team that you worry about that's coming into the playoffs 
on a hot streak is that team that has all the momentum on their side is kind of overachieving given the talent that you see on paper. Russell Westbrook has done a tremendous job of being the veteran leader for a very young team. However, I think Philly is the team that, given their makeup, is best suited for playoff basketball. They have a ton of length, a ton of defense. Ben Simmons can guard all five positions if you need him to. Joel Embiid is a great post scorer in the half-court sets. And on in those fast-break situations, you have Ben Simmons, obviously, with his finishing ability, and then you have Seth Curry, who is arguably the most efficient three-point shooter in the entire NBA. So this is the team that I think is just set up to make a deep run in the playoffs where it is a half-court game, where the pace is slowed down, where you have those short bursts of fast-break plays off of turnovers, which Philly is a great defensive team, and with their length and ability to get in those passing lanes is going to be very adequate at creating those turnover opportunities. So with that and with I just I just don't think there's enough help for Russell Westbrook in this series. I think he does all he can do, but there's just not another guy that I see that can take a ton of pressure off of him can have a stretch for a quarter or two in a game where he can become the focal point. Bertans has the ability to get hot from the three-point line, but even then it's still he's if you watch any of their games, it's very much him playing off of Westbrook, and Westbrook is still being the key playmaker in the set. And I just don't think they have any big man that can match Joel Embiid. If Philly wants to get out and run off of turnovers, they can do that. If they want to slow it down and work Joel Embiid in the post, they can do that. I mean, Washington's starting center is Alex Lynn, who is definitely not going to be able to handle... Joel Embiid in any kind of one-on-one situation. And then if you want to help a wing off of his man to guard Joel Embiid in the post, then that just leaves Ben Simmons to cut back door or Seth Curry to shoot a catch-and-shoot three with Joel's ability to pass out of the low block. I just don't think there's really any kind of strategy that Washington can work around in order to create the upset in this series. So with that being said, I'm going to go with Philly in five to advance to the second round. Now we move over to the series where I very adamantly have to go with my heart over my mind. This is obviously the Hawks versus the Knicks. The Knicks are arguing. That is very typical of a Tom Thibodeau-led team, and I think it's the reason why the Knicks have been able to make such immediate progress in such a short amount of time. And they're definitely going to give Atlanta a run for their money, but the key For Atlanta to win in this series, the reason I have them winning this series is because of the return of DeAndre Hunter. Now, a lot of people have kind of forgotten how well he was doing in the first half of the season prior to the knee injuries that have sidelined him for a majority of this season, but 
when the Hawks were first struggling when Lloyd Pierce was still the head coach, DeAndre Hunter was the other bright spot with averaging, I think, around 18 points a game, playing tremendous defense, really became a much more confident scorer, didn't play scared, didn't seem overwhelmed. You can see that the game really slowed down for him. And I think his defense is going to really help out his teammates. I mean, he's going to be able to guard the best player. He's going to be able to guard Randall or Derrick Rose or even R.J. Barrett at times, depending on how they switch and how they line up. He can do very he can do solid against all three of those guys, which takes pressure off of some of the guys that are a little bit weaker defensively like Trey Young. And then he's now become a key player in times where you just need you you don't really have much of a set that you're running. It's just kind of a give this guy the ball, go get a bucket kind of situation. DeAndre has really come on as that type of guy in these last few games where he's kind of been trying to get his feet wet prior to the playoffs. He hasn't really had that outside stroke, but I think given time and just a few more reps, he can really get his outside shot going. He's definitely been able to finish at the rim, use a mid-range game. He's developed a very solid mid-range floater game to be able to finish even around bigger defenders, which I think is something that just adds another tool in his toolbox to really become a future star for this young and offensive firepower heavy Atlanta Hawks team. So with that being said, for this series, I'm going to have to go with the Hawks in six, just with there's just too much firepower for this Knicks team to deal with. And in the NBA, good offense beats good defense. Now we move over to the Western Conference where things are looking kind of very surprising given how you would expect teams to look on paper coming into the season. Some of these teams decided to rest guys. Other teams had injuries to deal with. So we've ended up with a few funny matchups in the West as to not really how you expect things to shake up in the preseason. But the first series we're going to talk about is the Portland Trailblazers versus the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic has is likely going to win NBA, NBA MVP this season, and Jamal Murray has also had a great season as well. They just play very solid team basketball led by Mike Malone, who is one of the better coaches in the NBA, in my opinion. They've had solid veteran players, solid young guys come along. Think of Paul Millsap becoming a steady veteran leader for for that team and Michael Porter Jr. becoming a young player that's really come on, kind of slid down those draft boards even after he was a top draft pick just with some of the injury worries that teams had. But he's really started to quietly develop behind a lot of solid star players and not have to deal with a ton of pressure coming in as a young player, which I think is something that can really aid in his development over time. But they just have guys that do a little bit of everything. They're a very solid shooting team. They play good defense. They pass very well. I think that's their biggest strength is their playmaking ability 
in positions one through five, they have a ton of guys that play unselfishly and are willing to make the extra pass for a teammate to get an easy bucket. And that is a key factor when you're talking about playing a Portland team that's not very strong defensively. They've really been dependent on that tandem of C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard over the past few years, and at times that's really come back to bite them. They've managed a few highlight real series wins. I think of the Damian Lillard game winner against the Thunder over Paul George, but when it gets down to these teams that are very complete teams that play on both ends of the court, they've really struggled to win, and that trend... I think, continues in this series as Denver is just going to be able to do too much. There's going to be too much playmaking, too many easy buckets created out of half-court sets, out of running plays, which Denver runs their plays very well. They very rarely have miscues and turnovers created out of them. So I think Denver is a team that is going to be able to dominate the half-court sets in order to win a lot of their series. So I'm going to go with Denver in five to win that series. Now we move on to the series, which I think is going to be the most entertaining series to watch in the entire playoffs, which given the seedings, naturally you wouldn't really expect that, but I think as a byproduct of this speed run 72 game series this is just kind of the matchups that you end up with and throws another wild card into the mix of the NBA and that is the Lakers versus Sun series now Phoenix was a team that despite what a lot of the media thought what a lot of other people thought I was very high on them coming into this season solely from the fact that they were able to add Chris Paul into the mix Chris Paul is a guy that the stats do not show all of the value that he brings to a team. We saw what he's done with – we've seen what he's done with teams in New Orleans with the Hornets at the time and taking that team deep into the Western Conference playoffs and what he was able to do with kind of a band of misfits in Oklahoma City. And now he goes over to Phoenix, which is a team that's had talent but just hasn't really been able to live up to the hype until this season. They've added Devin Booker has always been one of the top scorers in the NBA, but being in a in Phoenix with a team that's not had much playoff success recently hasn't really gotten the media exposure that you would expect from a guy like that that's putting up the numbers that he's been putting up. Jay Crowder comes in as a real grinder, a very good defensive player, can hit the three when you need him to. The just classic DN3 guy really takes pressure off of Devin Booker defensively and then with Chris Paul's leadership and his ability to run an offense you end up with a team that's probably the most potent offense in the entire NBA and has really taken over at times in the Western Conference they've got solid pieces there as well with Michael Bridges and Cameron Payne that can do the little things can really kind of keep your team in games when you're down and allow your team to pull away when you're ahead at times. So they are pretty well set up to handle the Lakers and AD and LeBron is 
just now coming off of an injury and Anthony Davis has been injured a lot of the season. So we wonder how that, how much that will factor in and it'll be very interesting to see if true playoff LeBron takes over at this point in his career with the age hitting him with the injury he had to deal with for most of this season. If, Maybe he comes out fresh. Maybe he comes out rusty. That'll be very interesting to see. I think this is definitely going to be a down-to-the-wire close game in every game this series. And I just think that it's going to come down to how Phoenix is able to play on the defensive end and how L.A. is going to be on the offensive end. It's gonna LeBron is going to be LeBron at times matter of if he's going to play that way for all 40 minutes that he's on the floor or if it's going to be an on and off switch kind of thing with him coming off of this injury. He's definitely going to need Anthony Davis to be Anthony Davis and play up to his full potential if they want to give Phoenix any kind of run. If not, if either of those guys comes out flat, then I just see Phoenix running away with these games, going through on stretch runs where they – have a lot of unanswered points, just hitting threes. Chris Paul creating easy finishing opportunities for his teammates. And because of that, because of the leadership that CP3 brings to this table and the rustiness that I think is going to be there for at least one of these key Laker players, I think that I'm the, that the Phoenix Suns are going to come out on top in this series in seven games. Now we've got two two more s- series to cover, and neither of them I think is going to be very – I think both of them are going to be one-sided, if I'm being honest. I mean, we've got the Mavs versus the Clippers. The Clippers are very well-rested. They've taken a few losses to end the season because I think somewhat to avoid the Lakers this early in the playoffs, but also – just with the they've been a very key proponent of load management compared to some of these other teams and I think that's going to pay dividends in how Kawhi and PG are going to come out fresh in this series. Dallas isn't a great defensive team. They've put up a lot of points with obviously Luka and Kristaps Porzingis and then Jalen Brunson also is a bit of a wild card with his mid-range game and playmaking ability out of Villanova but I just think that the the ridiculous amount of defensive depth that L.A. has is going to really be able to at least take a toll on Luka. He, we might see him in games one and two put up typical Luka stats, but I think over the course of a seven-game series and constantly being guarded by two tremendous perimeter defenders in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, that that's just going to take a toll on him over the course of a series. And I don't think that there's going to be enough defensive help to where he's going to be able to go through cold streaks and then still hang around in games. I think if Luka goes cold, that's when we're going to see L.A. kind of pull away. They hit a lot of threes. They hit a lot of free throws. So if you want to foul them and keep it in a half-court game, they can really do that well. 
And of course, with the pedigree that this roster has, they have a ton of playoff experience. They're not going to be overwhelmed by the moment. Like maybe some of the guys on this Dallas roster will be. So I think this is going to be a series that just given the wear and tear of this shortened NBA season, I think this is really going to factor in along with the defensive depth and ability to do the small things and execute in the half-court set. I'm going to go with the Clippers in five in this series. Now to finish out before I conclude this episode, we're going to briefly cover the Utah versus Memphis slash Golden State series. I say that because Utah is obviously going to play the winner of Memphis versus Golden State, which as of 1.23 p.m. Eastern Time, May 21st, hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to pick, kind of give you a little bit of a bonus coverage there. I'm going to go with Memphis in that game. I think John Morant's ability to take over a game and some of the other kind of underrated pieces in Memphis, like Dylan Brooks, are going to be able to just create some big plays. I think it's going to be just... I mean, the Golden State has relied so much on Steph throughout this entire season, and they need him to score 40 to win, it seems, at this point, with some of the younger guys like James Wiseman underachieving, and then on top of that, Clay's still out. So I just don't think, even in a, in a key one-game situ- scenario, I don't think Steph is going to be able to do enough on his own to single-handedly win a playoff game. And I think we see John Morant have kind of a breakout game in this play-in game to send his small market team in Memphis to the playoffs. But I think either way, I mean, for Memphis, I think that still is a very positive outcome for them. This is a very young team. They're kind of in the same situation as the Knicks or the Hawks where I think you're just looking, you're just trying to get a young team playoff experience, kind of get them to understand what playoff basketball in the NBA is like and to get a feel for that. They're definitely going to be overmatched when they go up against Utah, who is one of the better teams in the NBA, the best three-point shooting team in the NBA, and kind of be, I see some of the guys on Memphis being overwhelmed by the moment, and Utah's obviously a team that's smells blood in the water. is is one of those teams that's trying to get over the hump, try to get their that franchise an NBA Finals championship, and has great scoring, great three point shooting, great interior defense. Rudy Gobert still easily the best rim protector in the NBA. So with that being said, I think it's going to be probably a sweep of Memphis or Golden State, but no more than five games for that series just because of the ridiculous amount of depth that Utah has from top to bottom in that roster. All right, that's going to conclude this episode of the Hopeless Sports Mantic Podcast. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Hopeless Sports Mantic Pod and to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at TaylorBell222 to get show updates and some of my hot takes and sports opinions throughout the day. 
So thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hopeless Sports Mantid podcast and have a nice day.